0: Welcome to Don't Change My Life. Hi, I'm Sydney, and I don't really like life change, but we all have to deal with it. This is a podcast about changes in life, resisting them, embracing them, and ultimately asking, does anyone else relate to this? Moving and dating, graduating, new jobs, we've all been there or are going through it. Hopefully, this podcast will feel like a conversation that you're a part of between me and my friends and family, and we're just sitting across the table from each other with a coffee talking about changes in life and how to deal with them. Join me. My former roommate, Katie, joins me to talk about moving across the world after graduation. Even though we talk about her huge move to China, we go off on about 20 different tangents, and it's actually really good. I personally took so much away from this conversation. Also, disclaimer, we had to re-record this so many times because of technology, and then during this take I am breathing into the mic for part of it, and I am so sorry, but we could not re-record. But trust me, this is a good conversation. Thanks for joining me, Katie. Um, again, this is take to, uh, 50 because of technical difficulties and
1: it's okay. So Technology is always against us. Um, yeah.
0: Well, where are you right now?
1: I am next to a, um, a very aesthetically pleasing um, stone chimney that is in the middle of the woods. It's broken down, covered with ivy. And there's a narrow trail that goes past it, and it's covered in flowers. Very poetic, if you will.
0: I'm sure there was a story there. I mean, it's definitely haunted, so.
1: Well, for sure. Um, But right now, I have Brown Dog with me, and she is securing the perimeter. So if you hear any, like, faint snuffling or um, panting, just don't be alarmed. Um, Okay. Okay, got it.
0: Perfect. I won't assume it's a ghost or something in the the woods, so... Um okay, so backstory, you have been teaching in China for the past two ish years, and um you are by far my my most um i guess worldly friend
1: <laughs> uh, sure, as in traveling the world right, um
0: right. so what is your current job?
1: okay, so my current job I'm teaching oral English in a public school in China. And my school is a nine-year school, so they have first through ninth grade, and I teach all of the seventh and eighth grade. And I have roughly 950 students, so 19 classes a week, 50 students per class, plus an English club, and I see each class once a week. Um, They also have another English teacher who's a Chinese English teacher, and they teach them the um, like grammar and vocabulary type thing I teach more mm-hmm. pronunciation and culture and
0: you have like 900 kids yeah that 950 that's insane yeah I feel most of also I feel like most of this is just going to be me repeating things that I said the first time <laughs>
1: I'll forget
0: when we did this interview number one <laughs> since this interview number two um I remember so, what I
1: said in response
0: well, I mean, you you have all these kids. Like, do you know all of their names?
1: Um, I know a lot more than you would expect. Um, but I think, like, it's really hard to learn all of their names because they have Chinese names, right? And Chinese names don't naturally stick in my English brain. And then on top of that, um, a lot of them have English names. And the ones that didn't have English names or had questionable English names, I gave English names to. So I have written all of their names at least once. Um, and. Yeah, so a lot of them have English names like Bubblegum or Cherry or... Don't ever let a middle schooler pick a name. <laughs> it's just it's painful. Um, and then there was, a Moral boy, story. there was a boy last year named House Cloud and he told me that his Chinese name means House Cloud. But later on when my Chinese got better, I realized his actual name means Sweet Future. So I'm like, I don't know where he got that. But he ended up being named Bill Gates. I let him keep it. Um,
0: yeah, you can only do but so much.
1: Yeah, and then kid. there's... Yeah, there's just there's a lot. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, it's insane to me that you have that many kids because I have like 85 kids. And even with that, I'm like, wait, what's your name? Like, I get kids mixed up all the time. And they get mad at me. And I'm like, Look, I have to keep up with all of you. And it got
1: to the point where like, when I went in public, um, and I saw a middle age, a middle school aged kid around, I just assumed that was my student. So I greeted them. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, when I'm like in the area that I teach, if I see like a kid that looks like he's there in middle school, I'm like, "I uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know who you are, but like you definitely know who I am." And
1: yeah. yeah. The mall next to my so. school, I'm like 100% of these are my students. So
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. I just try to avoid common areas where middle school kids would go. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So what sparked your interest in China and ultimately learning Chinese because you have to kind of learn Chinese a little bit before you go
1: um so I had no interest in China until I went to China the first time so I went for about a week like over spring break junior year of college and some friends of mine were just like hey do you want to go to China over spring break and I was like I mean I guess so I went with (laughs) them and um the jet lag was horrible and that's actually what my serious coffee addiction but um Yeah, then we just kind of wandered around that week and none of us knew any Chinese and it was kind of a disaster and it's a miracle we all all lived through that. Um, But yeah, when I got back, I um, started hanging out more with international students and um, through like hanging out with them and becoming friends with them, a lot of them would ask me questions about English and I was a math major, like I don't know this stuff, but I would make up an answer on the spot and usually I was right. So I was like, and then that just sounds like teaching. Um, So that's my actual job now making up things on the fly. But um, I realized I really enjoyed trying to figure out how to explain English because it makes no sense at all. And um, most of it, like I've never thought about before. So it's a a fun experiment for my brain, I guess, to try to figure things out. Um, So I realized I really enjoyed teaching English. And through a long series of complicated events, I ended up going back to the same city in China that I visited the first time.
0: Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, you also have already kind of had an interest in languages anyways, because you were learning like Russian and, and things and, and
1: yeah. you're extremely intelligent, so. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but um, I do p- tend to pick up languages easily. They just stick in my brain really well. Um, but if you ask me to speak Russian now, like it all comes out as Chinese. It's, it's all in the foreign category of my brain. Um, but yeah, I remember when I was little, um, my friends and I on the bus would like swap Spanish words and we thought we were the coolest thing ever because Spanish words were so hip. Um, and then like, just since then I've been nerdily learning lots of languages. My earliest fear was of being illiterate and which tells you how nerdy I am to begin with because I remember having this year at like age three, I would see these (laughs) um, commercials for, um, you know that reading software that they were advertising in the late Wait, it was years? like Sylvan, not yeah, yeah, Sylvan. Yeah, yeah. Um, it no, was no, no, but that. it was like
0: the weird monster, like the. I know what you're talking
1: about. It was. Like I don't remember the, kind of the like... exact brand, but like, I saw these commercials, and I was like, at age three, I was like, "Mother, how come I can't read yet?" She's like, "You'll you'll get there," and I was just distraught. I, I don't was, know literally. how to
0: gather information in this world right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, I, like, <laughs> I will.
1: I cannot live as a real person and not be able to read but anyway my um I mean
0: but yeah imagine being illiterate like you how like you're so trapped and I mean yeah I don't have to like like,
1: when I went to China the first time I experienced it like my my childhood fear was realized and that's when I started really learning Chinese
0: I mean freedom real freedom is being literate like it's you you, you're really you're you're, like reliant nice you're reliant on other people (laughs) To you're like you have to trust other people, I guess. If you can't like yeah. read stuff and
1: make decisions on your own, so. And I guess like the countries yeah. that I had been to before, I could always speak the language, and I was usually the one translating for the rest of the people because I went to countries that spoke Spanish and Russian, and I was fine. But
0: yeah,
1: going so to like China, you can't figure even figure out, out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. So you you got to Chinese through a series of events um and I mean since like I was your roommate I kind of witnessed some of those things but what were some major or not major but just what were some obstacles for you just getting to China in the first place because you decided to to start teaching in China and then you had to kind of like get the money and logistically like plan out all the stuff and then like you know tell people close to you that like I'm going to China for at least a year and yeah so So
1: when I first had the idea of going to China, I had no plan at all. And so I like set my parents down and was like, I'm moving to China. And they were like, no, you're not. <laughs> um, and then like all the logistical things worked themselves out. Um, but the only thing that's been like a long-term difficulty with this has been um, just my family's attitude towards me living in China has not been great. Um, especially my dad and um, to some extent my brothers, but most my dad. Um, they kind of have this idea that America is the greatest country and Chinese, or no, <laughs> English is the greatest language. Um, and so me leaving America and learning another language, not only is like a waste of time to them, it's like a betrayal of sorts. And I guess, I guess that's how I think about it. That's the only way that makes sense in my brain to be like their reaction to it. But, um, they're just really not about it. And home my dad has been immediately like you're not going back there and threatening to lock me in the basement but the basement has far too many windows for that um Um,
0: and yeah and I I mean I would imagine it's hard when the people in your family aren't supporting what you want to do because then you question like is it the right thing um and I mean, have you found other support systems, even if you don't have all the support from your family?
1: I mean, um, my family's being against it, I guess. It just never really made me want to give up. I guess I've always been rebellious in that way. But um, Mm -hmm. I had a lot of friends and mentor type people who have been very supportive with me. And that has been really helpful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, it's definitely, I mean, when you're making such a big decision like that and you, when your gut is saying to do something, it's always good to also have people saying that that is a good idea too. So that's not yeah. just like, hey guys, I'm moving across the world. Um, Bye.
1: That's basically what I did though.
0: I mean, yeah, <laughs> but you also were like <laughs> talking to people about it. You weren't just like up and out.
1: <laughs> I mean, sure.
0: Uh, yeah, as much as you wanted to be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel like I was winging most of it, but anyway. Um, right. Yeah.
0: Um. So once you got to China, because you did like a little bit of training beforehand.
1: Yeah. So um, um, I graduated beginning of May, and then end of May I moved to Spain and did like an English te- teaching um, certification course in Barcelona. And then the beginning of July, I moved to China.
0: And so like, once you got to China, because before you get there, I'm sure you had this romanticized idea of, I'm going to go to China. I'm going to teach. You mean like when you're the closer you get to that actual event happening, then it really sets in and then you get there. And I'm sure you're like, what did I decide to do? So what were those emotions that you had once you got there into China?
1: Oh, with your new apartment, all that <laughs> culture shock. Well, all like, I think the the initial shock was that my company. Uh, so I live in the apartment that my company rents for me, and um, I like entered the apartment for the first time, and they had um, they had bought me monkey sheets that are pink, like a pale pink with creepy looking monkey on them. Um, that was shocking, <laughs> which is just so creepy. It's just yeah. like.
0: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> is like this my jet lag or is it real? Sheets
1: with this creepy looking monkey on it. Anyway, um, so that was shocking. But um, yeah, so I think the transition from like leaving Barcelona was harder than I expected it to be. And then coming to China from Barcelona, like Barcelona in June, this beautiful uh, Mediterranean city, um, nice breeze, blue skies, sunny days, all of that, coming to China in July. China in July is like, you, you think about going outside and every part of you is sweaty. And yeah, I mean, from um, what you
0: described, it was just pretty like, yeah, like, yeah, I want to say hot and heavy, but just humid and hot, <laughs> hot and heavy in regards no, it, to the humidity.
1: <laughs> it was like over a hundred degrees for the first month I was there. And, oh, um, gosh. and it was so humid, like hum- from central Virginia, like you, you think that, you know, humidity, but you don't, not until, um, but the other thing was the mosquitoes. The mosquitoes are tiny in China, and like you can't even hit them. You don't see them coming. Like in in America, you see them. You know, right? There. And so you
0: get there, and you're just immediately like sweaty and
1: like uncomfortable. And the yeah. pollution. And the, is... the pollution is so bad. Like I couldn't. I like when I arrived, the sky was gray, and it stayed gray for a solid week. And I just started to think, like, well, I ever see the the blue sky again? Like, does that exist in China? I would imagine it
0: felt like you were (laughs) in a dirty bubble.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Kind of. But um, as I figured out, like, how to get around the city and started making friends and stuff, it got a lot better. But the initial was, I want to go back to Barcelona. It's weird that I didn't really miss America as much as I thought I would.
0: That is interesting because, yeah, you saying that you miss Barcelona specifically, which, I mean – I've never been, but I would imagine it would be a really interesting place to go. And then
1: I just um, felt like I had built up a lot of community in Barcelona and was leaving like as it was starting, you know?
0: Okay. Yeah. 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 So once you got to China, how did you find community?
1: Um. So I moved to the city thinking that I had connections there. And then it turned out that I did not. And the few people that I had met during the week long thing when I was there um, they were all students at the university. And so, um, one had graduated and moved to Australia and then the rest of them weren't there because it was the summer and they lived in other cities. So they would be back in the fall.
0: So when you say that you had connections and then you didn't, like people said, uh, oh, will we'll, we'll meet up when you get here. And then they just like, didn't reach out to you or anything.
1: Well, um, people I knew here said that they knew people there, but then the people there weren't there. OK, OK. Yeah. So you
0: kind of thought that you had lo- some loose connections and then you got there and that wasn't the, the case.
1: Yeah. And so I didn't know any foreigners in Suzhou at all and couldn't really speak enough Chinese to get around. But yeah. Yeah.
0: And I mean, that I would imagine feels isolating.
1: Yeah. But um, I had a lot of um, international student friends, like Chinese students who went to JMU with us um who were home for the summer and they took really good care of me they were in like different cities but um a couple of right. them i got to visit them in their hometown before i started working and uh that was really nice and Tai, our favorite mm-hmm. the best um, our old housemate Tai, um she literally was literally living... one of the sweetest people you will ever meet um leetai was living in shanghai like doing an internship that summer and so the day after i arrived in my city she like took a train and um like helped me buy groceries and showed me around even though she'd never been there and um helped me get my phone set up so that i could use it um yeah and just stuff like that so that was really nice. speaking of
0: of li tai i'm gonna go off um the railroad tracks for a minute i've just moved and I was like packing up all my stuff and remember how in our house we had that huge wall with like everyone's pictures on it oh yeah yeah like you know we kind of lived in like a brothel with like 12 people
1: um don't spread that Um, room
0: yeah so someone had given me Lee Tai's picture to give to her at some point because she like she went back to China but then she was coming back to Harrisonburg but I just never got to meet up with her and so I found my Lee picture. Oh, that had to take the shrine down, Um, oh. you know. Also, it was, it was a little radical, and I kind of got struck by lightning a few times. I think that mm. may have been... <laughs> uh. I mean, I just, I threw away the Lee Tai picture, because I kind of felt weird about just having no. a big picture of Lee Tai, like, hanging out in a box.
1: Okay, I'm so sorry about this. <laughs>
0: Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry, Lita. I'll make it up to you one day. I'll just get another big blown up picture of your head. And <laughs> I mean, to um, be fair, I was kind of weirded out by my own big picture, too, because I was like, oh, geez, this is a big
1: picture of me. Yeah, I think we gave mine to my grandmother. And every time I see it, it shocks me a little bit.
0: I'm just like, ah, that's a big picture. Anyways, that was my side story. <laughs> um, so once you got into China you initially you found community kind of well you found connections at least through people that you had already known Mm -hmm. but how did you I mean what were the struggles with community um that you experienced within that first year well I mean with the language barrier like that's actually a huge thing
1: um so once school started and I had a regular schedule um I like I was working at a public school. I was actually the first year I was working at two public schools. Um one was I was there for 3 days and the other was 2 days. Um and the school I was at for 3 days a week, I was the only foreigner in the entire school. And um it was a huge school. Well, yeah. Huge in our standards but not Chinese standards. Like my other my other schools have been much bigger, but um mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was the only foreigner and um there were some people who said that they could speak English but um probably
0: like um when Americans say that they can speak Spanish and then all
1: yeah they can do it's is very much like that because they're say like, they study English you know, is very much like the way we study Spanish um except yeah. they do it longer. Um yeah, so the first school there were a couple people who could kind of speak English. The second school um is a much bigger school and there was a foreign guy who was there more on him in a second um but (laughs) but I I remember one morning I was eating breakfast there with some co-workers and I just sat with these random girls and they were English teachers and so I tried to talk to them and they were like they said to me in Chinese like sorry we don't speak English and I was like oh no (laughs) um I mean
0: that kind of rejection I'm I just can't imagine but it makes me think of like um when when uh, like in high school when you had foreign exchange students come into your school I I would imagine that's how they felt too
1: yeah um but I still like I think I was treated much more favorably than we treat international students yeah because I was more like a celebrity in a lot of ways um when people saw me, they would just like, oh, <gasps> "Why, Gworen?" But they only like
0: you because you're American. Kind of, yeah. Or, um, yeah. But
1: yeah, so um, the first year, especially since my Chinese was not very good, um, I would try to make friends with people, um, but people would get exhausted of talking to me because it's exhausting to keep up a conversation with someone who can't speak the same language as you. Um, right. And it couldn't like have any depth to it because how much depth can you have when you can only say, "Wojak <laughs> Kong." It just, which means my surname is Kong or my, my name is Kong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, delete that part. <laughs>
0: um, yes, ma'am.
1: <laughs> um, but like, how much depth can you have when uh, you can only say, when you
0: can't really say much in Chinese. Right. And yeah, yeah
1: I mean, it's like when
0: you're learning Spanish and it's like, Oh, I can ask where the bathroom is and like order food. Yeah, but I can't tell somebody like I'm
1: sad or (laughs) you know. (laughs) Yeah. So like these are my personal problems. (laughs) These are my joys and my sorrows. Like you can't talk that way when you're beginning a language. Um, and so it got exhausting for my coworkers to hang out with me, and I was hanging out with a lot of people most of the time. Like every night I was hanging out with someone, and it was just exhausting because. They got tired of me, and then um, a lot of them just started ignoring me after that. Um, And there was this one girl who was my coworker, uh, same office as me, and we hung out and went to this like really fancy mall and got fancy bubble tea, and we took a fancy picture and got fancy Japanese food. And she posted pictures on her WeChat, but then it didn't get enough likes for her liking. And so she just deleted it and never talked to me again. So.
0: Which for context, WeChat is the um, Chinese social media. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that makes me, I mean, and like you said, like I think that international students really get isolated here, but that just, that makes me think about like, kind of like having um people treat it as like a novelty kind of friendship and
1: not like like a lot of people go on some kind of mission trip and then take pictures with poor people and then leave
0: right it's it's all for like the novelty the look at me blah, blah blah and then you just leave that person and I mean that person ends up being so lonely and going back to your illiteracy um feeling illiterate thing um i mean in that kind of context you feel illiterate and isolated right
1: well like illiterate and just like you can't speak i don't is there a word for that Nonverbal, but that, that's a different thing
0: it's it's not that yeah it's just that you just can't get it out what you want to yeah
1: yeah um but like fortunately i learned chinese really quickly and part of that was due to um chinese soap operas there's a lot of them on youtube that have subtitles um and then my middle schoolers would teach me so much slang um so i quickly like which is always lovely yeah so I like, <laughs> quickly gained street cred with my students at least because um i would start using their phrases and then i would learn things or i would say things that i learned from soap operas which are naturally super dramatic um <laughs> i think at one point like Li Tai warned me about like using old uh like the ancient type dramas to learn language do you know were you becoming irrelevant um it's like you learn words from those soap operas that are irrelevant to modern society but like um the reason that Tai was adamant on this is because um i accidentally called her a word that in ancient times i thought meant princess but now means prostitute um oh (laughs) wow Yeah, so um, Lisa was like, until you become fluent, you are not allowed to watch any more ancient dramas. You can only watch the modern ones. And she is very wise. Um, She's very wise. Um, um, yeah, it's funny because, I mean,
0: even teaching middle school here, like, you know, kids say things like, you're doing too much or whatever yeah, yeah, and then I'm like you're doing too much but then they make fun of me if I'm like you're Gucci they're like well who says that and I'm like oh is that in the past okay yeah that
1: started <laughs> happening to me in my second year um I started like picking up on things that were trendy last year but aren't trendy this year um but one thing that it like, changes so much yeah it changes so fast how can anyone learn this um but the second year when I arrived, my students were all saying, 老师,我太难了, <laughs> which, like, when you literally translate it means, um, teacher, I am so difficult. But they mean it to say, like, um, yeah. my life is difficult, like, I can't do this, this is too much for me, how could you expect this? Um, that sort of thing. But some of my students like to be funny, and they'll, like, translate things into English for me. And so some of them will come up to me at random times, and they'll be like, teacher, I'm so difficult. <laughs> um... And you don't know. You're not wrong. You don't know that that has a different <laughs> meaning. Um, the really sweet and innocent ones, I, like, correct them. I'm like, no, no, you should actually say it this way. But the ones that, like, annoy me, you know, I, I just let it go because they are. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um. I, I mean, again, yeah, I think, uh, like, there's that kind of language trend. Across the board, especially with that age group of middle school, they're constantly saying new things all the time and it changes from school to school too. So, even in America, like kids make up stuff, and you're, I have to be like, is that good or bad? Cause you know, I don't want to over regulate their language, but at the same time, I don't want them, you know, yeah,
1: saying something that's explicit kind of. Yeah, I was so- thinking about like um, teaching my students like using memes, but there's just so much culture and slang in that that's just way too complicated.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean if it makes you feel better, I try to use memes, but memes are slowly becoming outdated. Oh are they? Kids don't think my the memes that I show are funny.
1: And (laughs) so At least like if they're not the ones with the minions on them, you should be good though, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um so once you got into teaching, because you've been teaching for over a year I mean um going in you just you said you were kind of winging it and stuff how did you find purpose in your job in China
1: well like I went into it really enjoying teaching English and I still really enjoy teaching English there's something there's like a new aspect of it that I'm thinking about like all the time and there were a lot of days that I woke up and I'm like oh I just get to teach English today it's a really fun job um and then I also like have no pressure really from my company. So um, I work for a company that sends foreign teachers to public schools. Um, I have no structure, so I can literally do whatever I want. Um, well, not literally, but. Uh,
0: but pretty much, pretty much. Pretty close to it. Uh, and,
1: <laughs> yeah. In some regards, that's um, not good because first year teachers don't know what they're doing, you know? Yes. <laughs> and um, like I showed up the first day, not knowing. Anything that was going to happen, and didn't know what was expected of me, or um, what class would be like, and um, but yeah, I just got really used to winging it, and it's worked out. And then, like toward the end of the semester, they told me, "Oh, you need to give them a final exam and a grade for the semester," and I'm like, "Okay," which is crazy. Yeah, but <laughs> because
0: if you've never made an exam and they haven't really been really been telling you how to grade throughout the semester you're just like what they didn't
1: (laughs) like tell me they told me not to do homework because the students are already so stressed from their other classes which I see but um yeah it just all of a sudden I have to rate their performance for the entire semester and I don't even recognize half the students names so how am I supposed to connect this student's name to this person um yeah it was hard and plus um so I teach oral English and so I have to talk to every single child and rate them that way which is uh, that sounds exhausting yeah. um and there's always like I one just, kid who's absent think- and he has to come find me later of course yes. of course
0: this just makes me think about like teaching in general how um I feel like the first year is just like getting teaching down it's an absolute train wreck it's an absolute train wreck. It really is. It's a roller coaster. And it's a lot of just getting the teaching down, right? Just like the logistics of how do I create lessons and how do I assess these kids and how do I manage them? Mm-hmm. And I feel like at least for me waking up every day, I wasn't like, I'm getting up to teach the youth of America. It's like, I can make it through today. <laughs> right. And you kind of discover, I mean, you kind I mean, uh, yes, I, you know, you find joy in teaching and blah, 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 but I feel like the purpose kind of comes out after you have everything else under your belt. And then you're like, Oh, I get joy out of this. And you know, I feel more comfortable in what I'm doing because that first year, I mean, especially for you, because I feel like you had no guidelines where I was like, for me, like they tell you what to teach, when to teach it. Here's how to manage your classroom. You know, there's very, it's a very structured system as opposed to what you've talked about, where they were just kind of like, yeah so
1: the public school is very structured in everything except when it comes to my class um they'll like cancel it whenever they feel like it and um then like with a month left of the semester they're like oh yeah you don't have classes anymore because we need more important subjects to fill that space like okay um and like (laughs) I feel so loved, <laughs> and it was weird, like seeing my coworkers like having a normal conversation with them and just like being friends, and then hearing them while they were teaching. Because a couple of them, um, most of them wouldn't let me watch their classes, but a couple of them I got to see their teaching style, and just like there's this complete change in their personality. They suddenly become very fearsome, and I'm a little bit afraid. Oh wow! Um, they use a different voice altogether, and it's just terrifying. <laughs> um, yeah, that's not all of them, but a couple.
0: Right. Right, yeah, but I mean, how how did you perceive the education system to be in China, though?
1: Um, well, my students have so much pressure from every side. Like when they're not at school, and they're at school, my students leave school around six. I think they get there. When did they get there? They get there? there around seven. I think so. They're in school the entire day, and then um, when they get home and during the weekends, they are taking lessons and doing various performances and that sort of thing they don't really don't have free time and that's like the cultural norm like if you um like if parents are talking about their child they're comparing like what activities their child is in and if your child isn't doing enough things then the parents feel shame and so they pressure you to do more That's that kind of thing. right
0: but um which is you you kind of see that in america but nef- definitely not to the scale that you've talked about it because you know there is like the pressure, especially in, in certain school systems and certain areas of the U.S. T- to succeed and stuff. But then you know those are typically higher income areas, and then lower income areas, it's it's just not valued. So there's a definite difference where, as like what you've talked about. I mean, I don't know if the socioeconomic. I mean, that has to deal the with the students that, that I teach are all very
1: rich, especially like this current year. My students are extremely wealthy. Yeah. So it could be related to that.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's what I've received here too, because I mean, not that kids are at school necessarily that long, but like, especially like where I teach, um, it, there isn't a ton of like parent involvement and academics and education in general. And so a lot of kids aren't really motivated to, do the best that they can. And I say a lot of kids. I mean, it's, it's a half and half, I would say. And then um, I just don't really, I'm not really haven't ever been in that kind of culture where like, education was like, valued at that rate, I guess, or like, involvement and stuff. Not that I didn't do things. But you know, it wasn't to that like, stress inducing yeah. kind of rate that sounds like you're I feel like my students
1: have this like two-sided coin to their education like on one one side they're like they are stressed out to the max like they they have so much pressure on them all the time but I think they're also most of the time bored um just because of the teaching style Mm -hmm. that I've seen because a lot of it's just memorization Mm -hmm. and um yeah uh even the more expressive classes are like you need to learn these specific things and be able to tell me what this is, and what this is, and what this is. Um, right. Yeah. Which is always,
0: you know, even in even in America, and especially in Virginia, uh, a lot of teaching is going towards more um, critical thinking skills and problem-based assessments and things like that. And um, it's going kind of, it's, it's coming off of the standardized testing, which is a lot of memorization as well. And it's interesting, too, just in the classroom, I mean, you kind of are tied to a certain teaching way because if you have to teach all this material, then, like, you can't do a project for everything and you can't necessarily, like, ask all the best critical thinking questions. But when you have all kids in an activity, even kids who are usually not motivated to do something, if I do a lab or something, everyone's participating. And... It's just interesting seeing the difference when, you know, kids are involved in their learning and they could t- take ownership as opposed to just doing whatever they're mm-hmm. told. And that applies to kids all over the world, yeah. too. I mean, middle schoolers are the same all over That's the world, true. so.
1: Um, yeah. yeah. Um, some people will ask me, like, aren't um, Asian students really well behaved? And I'm like, absolutely not. Have you met a 12-year-old anywhere? <laughs> um <laughs> I they're have all the them same at once. <laughs> um but yeah but, it gets chaotic dang. um but no I saw my my students this past year um they uh were I ran into them on the way to the cafeteria and um they all had their noses like in their history textbook and so I was like what are you guys doing they're like we have a history exam after lunch and um we're all really nervous about it and they like they even asked me like can you teach us history and I'm like Oh, yeah, sure. And they handed me their textbook and I like read one character and they were like, this is amazing. So, anyway, but I was like, what, what kind of <laughs> test do you have? Like, multiple choice? You have to write an essay. What are you doing? And they were like, they will give us a heading from the book and we have to write down everything under that heading, but we don't know what heading it will be. And I was just like, you are kidding me. Um,
0: it's as if somebody like created education um, like, I don't know, way back in the day. And then they were like, you know what? Let's not ever change this Mm -hmm. way of learning. (laughs) It's like when books were invented, they were like, just copy out of the book and memorize the book. And then they never changed it. (laughs) Um. So how have you slash, okay, so what is China's take on mental health and how have you taken care of your mental health and wellness? Because that is a huge transition to move to another country, first of all, and then to get a teaching job and start off with a new teaching Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: so the first year I like went into it like really high on adventure um, and thought I was in a great place mentally. And so I didn't really pay that much attention to it. Um, and I'm a super extrovert. So I was hanging out with people all the time and um, just meeting people everywhere and making friends on the bus, and yeah, which is kind of dangerous for a single woman living alone in a foreign country. Any, anywhere. (laughs) But anyway. (laughs) Literally um,
0: anywhere.
1: (laughs) Got dinner with some people I met on the bus. Anyway, but um, that was foolish.
0: Well, you also, the girl that you met in the airport. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, Went to visit her for uh, Chinese New Year last year.
0: So you met a girl in an airport. Yeah, I met a girl
1: in an airport in Hong Kong last year. Well, no. It was August, right after, like, the summer after graduation. I was in Hong Kong and um, met this girl and her mom in the airport and um, kept running into each other at the airport. So we were like, well, we must have some kind of uh, fate or something like that. And so we added each other's WeChat and then didn't talk to each other for, like, four months. And then um, I posted a picture at some point, like, early January, I think. And she commented on it, was like, how's your life going? And so like, I messaged her back and we became friends. And then um, like two weeks later, she was like, you want to come visit my family for Chinese new year? Like, Oh yeah, sure. She lived like a five hour train ride from where I was living in my city, but I went to visit her the entire time. I was like, maybe this is a front for something. I will be trafficked. And then-
0: I was so nervous. Cause you were telling me about this and I legit was, I mean, half of me is like, okay, I, I trust, Katie's intuition, but half of me is like,
1: I think she's gonna be murdered. Yeah, like, um, <laughs> like, like I actually was feeling fine about it, but know. um I ended up having to take a plane there because the train tickets were sold out because Chinese New Year is crazy. But um I remember getting on the plane and like as soon as I sat down, I was like, Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> but it was fine. we were friends There's no turning yeah.
0: back. Yeah, you're still alive. I mean, she doesn't, she's not sketch Me and her are like friends on the yeah. Instagram or something, followers, whatever. <laughs> Secret. Um. Gonna <laughs> die. Yeah. So, um. Anyways, so how did you take care of your mental? Okay. Health? You go yeah. Um.
1: To so, of... first semester I didn't really do anything. Second semester, um, the beginning of it, I just was really, really dizzy, and I had had problems with dizziness before that, but it was like I was dizzy all the time, and um, I was going to work, but like in between my classes, I would just sit at my desk with my head down, and when I left. I could like fake it for class mostly like there were a couple of times I had to sit down but um then I would leave school and just immediately go to sleep at like four or five and so um during that I like became really isolated because I didn't I didn't have energy to reach out to anyone and um yeah um and then it felt like like I was talking to you a lot and some other people and I just felt like I didn't have the energy to update you on everything. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I became very, very isolated. It's really hard when
0: you're, it's really hard when your body is essentially yeah. falling apart. And like, right. To like, you're supposed to reach out to people and, but it's, that's, yeah, that's hard to tell people. And then other people, you know, like I like want to obviously talk to you, but like, you know, I did, I'm not, I'm not a great person to, you know, I don't like always think to reach out to people, especially because you're in China. Yeah. And I
1: think that was also coupled with um, at school. I was used to um, having good conversations with my coworkers, but the second semester, they were already tired of me. So um, that was hard too. Um, Yeah. Yeah. The good thing about the second semester though, was that I moved out of the office at my second school. Um, I moved out of the office with the creepy other foreign guy. Um, Oh, we haven't (sighs) talked about him yet. Okay, so I think the reason there are no real standards for what I should be as an English teacher is because of teachers like him. Um, I think most of the teachers, like the foreign teachers in China, are creepy white men who have an Asian fetish and should not be around children in any capacity. Which is just, and would not oh, have jobs oh were they in their home countries. Um, yeah. He creeped me out so much. Yeah. Um, I actually, he tried to move him to my apartment. Like he, he lived in my apartment for about a month. And then I told my company, I was like, let's not do that ever again. And then a couple months later, they tried to move him back into my apartment. And I remember when I got that message, I was on my way to my Chinese lesson. Because at the time, I had a really sassy Chinese man teaching me at Starbucks. And <laughs> I was like walking in there. It. And um, he's he's hilarious like I wish he could teach me still but he got a real job um, <laughs> um he I like walked to that lesson and I was like I just sat down and I was like listen I need some words to say about this man and the situation and so like the next morning I went to talk to my company about it and I was like basically like this boy is super creepy um he is socially awkward how do you say you make me uncomfortable <laughs> in Chinese Mm-hmm. There you go. But um, I learned things like, yeah. which apparently is a very impressive thing to be able to say in Chinese because it uses like an idiom. Um, but I learned that pretty early on just to describe this man. Um, yeah. 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 So coming into being an English teacher in China, they had very low expectations of me at being a foreigner just because these other foreigners had set such a low standard. And so, like, the fact that I was in any right. way normal just like, blew their minds. And the fact that I was trying to learn Chinese.
0: Uh, sure, medically, but also just like, I mean, yeah, structure okay, so in medic- your life. You said medically you is really funny, actually.
1: Um, so we know my homegirl, Lana. Lana is wonderful. Um, Lana is training to be a doctor, and she took me to the hospital multiple times to try to cure my dizziness. Yeah, so I got an MRI done and a bunch of things and a bunch of tests taken, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And Lana was like, I will figure it out um but then one day i was i went i decided to go to the gym for some reason i wasn't feeling well enough to go to the gym but i went to the gym mm-hmm. and um i was the only foreigner that i ever saw at my gym and it was very tiny and so um most of the time i retained my aloof foreigner status of just like no one talked to me i will look angry um and which is me yeah, at the gym like, anyway. i have the extra layer of everyone assumes that i can't speak chinese so they like don't attempt um Mm -hmm. but at one point like i guess the machine i was on was broken and this lady comes over she works at the gym she's like my age um and she's like the machine's broken but she said it in chinese and i was like oh okay in chinese and she was like Uh wow and i was like uh oh yeah yeah um (laughs) and so (laughs) the, the the aloof foreigner image was broken and then she just looks at my shoulder and she's like it's really swollen you should fix that and I didn't really know what she was saying because I didn't know those words but um so I don't really know what she's saying but she comes around behind me and just like whacks my neck and she's like then do these stretches and it should be okay (laughs) like does your head hurt sometimes and I was like yeah and like I don't know after that it went away (laughs) yeah problem solved I have not been busy (laughs) really since um not on that level but yeah that was crazy interesting (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's so yeah. bizarre but if it works. um
1: but yeah. anyway uh so after I came back in the the fall like after I went back home for the summer and then I came back in September and I decided like I really need some structure for myself or I'm going to implode um so since I'm an extreme morning person um I'm just like an irritating kind of person altogether <laughs> morning person super expert anyway um
0: just don't <laughs> talk to me
1: in the morning. Um, <laughs> I'm so I, I, really, like, I don't have to be at school unless I'm teaching a class. And my classes were usually not until like this past semester. I had one at eight, but most of them were like 10 or later. Um, but I decided that I needed to get, at, get to school like when they're having breakfast at seven or 730. Um, so that my coworkers respect me because I'm making way more money than them. And I'm doing a whole lot less work. And I should at least be there all day. So that they respect me. I I
0: very I come into
1: right. well, yeah. the second year and I can speak a lot more Chinese and so it's easier to build relationships and um, I decided to get up every morning at 5 a.m and make a cup of coffee and read a book and I felt very dignified reading a book at 5 a.m yeah. let me tell you and um, yeah and then I just well, like should. took the earliest bus to school and um, had breakfast with people and it was really good. And then I went to bed at like nine, which is amazing. Um, and my roommate yeah. situation was better. And yeah,
0: I felt like i um, kind of similar, like this past year, um, you know, it's a new year, new transitions and all that stuff. And I kind of had like a lot of panic attacks at the beginning of the year, which I'd never experienced before. And, you know, I, I went to the doctor and all of that. But after that, I also kind of adopted a schedule where I got up early and I spent time just like sitting in basically silence for 30 minutes and drinking coffee and like becoming a human yeah. before I went to work. And then I was really mindful about like not being at work all day and um being uh social too. You know, I would hang out with people not every day of the week, but some days and I joined like a rag volleyball team. Oh and yeah the other
1: things...
0: I really Sorry. tried to mm-hmm. balance that you know and and I wasn't perfect and right now I literally have no schedule so that's obviously yeah. not been um, up. but like it for the for a time it made me yeah the other things that better.
1: I did to um keep myself together I didn't schedule things with people every day um I had a lot more friends the second year because I like returned to the, some of the same people but I had I had to restart with a whole new school mm-hmm. and I think that was good on a lot of levels um mm-hmm. but yeah, so I would only hang out with people like three or four days a week, and um, as opposed to like every day. Um, yeah. And then. Yeah. I also like decided to take a dance class because I had some friends who were doing that, and I was like, this this could be a fun thing, even though I have no dance skills whatsoever. Um, I also thought it would help me be humble because I also struggle <laughs> with that. Um, and that was really fun.
0: Well, yeah, that's like with the with the volleyball thing. Like, I was terrible, but it was so fun, and I like made friends, and it got yeah. my mind off of work and stuff. It's so good to have people you know... don't work with,
1: so that was good. And I also met like a lot of foreigners yeah. through that who have become very good friends of mine. And I think all of us are back in America now. A lot of yeah. us, so that's been cool. Um, yeah,
0: it, you definitely learn a lot, and I mean, we have so many transitions. It's like you can't, you're not going to perfectly like be able to prepare your mind and your body. I mean, you could do the best. There's so many things that come up in life where you're just, you know, sometimes you just crash and then you have to figure out like, okay, what's going to work for me. And I think it's really important the whole, like, um, making sure that you have enough like balance between being social and then having alone time. And that's really hard as an extrovert. And especially as somebody like me who hates being like lonely in that feeling and being alone and, But you do have to, like, force yourself to slow down and rest. And sometimes rest means not hanging out with people. And
1: One thing that has really, like, been a life lesson recently has been um, not putting, like, all of your soul into, like, another person, you know? Like, like not completely depending upon another person. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, like, I've made friendship into an idolatry thing a lot. An idol. That's what it is. Um. But people are never yeah. meant to hold the weight of all of you. You know, you're too heavy.
0: <laughs> and no one's ever going. And no one's ever going to give you ex- everything that you want either. Out of a friend, out of a, out of a, you know, romantic relationship. Yeah, I think like
1: when you realize I that, like it, that too. it's kind of freeing, and it's okay to spend time by yourself.
0: That's interesting because I, I feel like I go through phases where I feel like I'm not being codependent, you know, on other people and then like recently I feel like I have and it's just been this kind of like cuz we're in quarantine and I don't want to feel lonely and then I put so much on on other people that like they don't need to bear the weight yeah. of my issues, you know. So that's a good point. Like how do you I mean, not 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 just kind of rhetorically I'm thinking like how would one how would one deal with that and like I guess yeah you really have to think about like how am I going to not necessarily be codependent on other people because
1: I think I think at one point like maybe sophomore year um, of college I was really like into vulnerability and it was like this is the only thing that will save us but then like people don't respond well to you all the time and they don't give you what you need when you're vulnerable you know and vulnerability without boundaries is like and very bad, cross. very, very bad.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, emotional boundaries. I've definitely had instances where I've overshared, and then, like, that has just – it hasn't ended well. Like, it's not that it's like, oh, that ended so badly, but it's just like, I shouldn't have said that stuff. Like, I shouldn't have told that person this because this person isn't necessarily the best person right. to – give me advice and like a lot of times I
1: open myself up to being like manipulated and abused by people in that way
0: which all goes into like the codependency and like relying so heavily on other people to guide you in life and to give you you know satisfy your yeah your need to like feel known and loved and all these things and yeah that's, oh my gosh. I feel like I like literally, <laughs> like, oh wow, that's yeah. speaking to me. Okay, so right now. people cannot um, <laughs> fully know you
1: and people cannot fully love you. Write that down.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: You don't even fully yeah. know and love you. Um,
0: Just stop. Even though, exactly. Well, even though, like, being fully known and fully loved is what people ultimately are always. Yeah going for like that's why why this is like the whole thing we're going through in the world right like
1: you yep. oh and yeah. very relevant yep. book on friendship yep. idolatry that i read <laughs> like in september i think um friendish by kelly needham i think that's the right name could be wrong but um probably mm-hmm. should have googled that at some point in our many attempts to record this but um <laughs> yeah <laughs> right
0: no, it's on my list. And it's interesting too. Like, oh my gosh, now I'm thinking about friendships and, and all these things and how we idolize them. Because sometimes I, you know, and I love talking to people and I have really good relationships. But sometimes mm-hmm. I like flaunt that, I guess, in a weird way. Because like I've had people be like, oh, like so-and-so doesn't have that many friends. And I'm like, well, I have all these friends who care about me. And we have close relationships. And then it's just like, what, Sydney, you're literally putting that on a pedestal and just saying, look at yeah. me. Look how great I am. But at the Ugh. end of the day, those like what is that amount nothing. to? You know, if it's not <laughs> those people are nothing. <laughs> yeah. Those friendships are good, but it's just like also how you view them and how you treat them is important and I don't really have yeah. a good
1: And I think that helps a lot. Like I learned like that, that going into my yeah. second year. So um my first year trying to learn or trying to become friends with all of my coworkers. I just was putting way too much of myself in that and they weren't able to handle it on any level um and so most of the the coworkers, the coworker friends I made for my first year most of them I didn't see my second year even though I was in the same city um I well I think one of them the entire time yeah a couple other ones like tried to make plans with me but then yeah were flaky so um gave up on me. but but um, the co-worker yeah, friends that I made like sucks, but... in the fall semester um I'm still talking to them even though I've been in America since January and um like we check in on each other and I've mm-hmm. only ever really spoken to them in Chinese. And it's just amazing that we can have this friendship now. Um, and like a lot of that was, yeah, it was hard at some points to become friends with them because my nature is just to want to like hang out with them all the time. But I was like, I need to step back and give them space and maybe they won't be freaked out by me. And like, it has been much better. Right.
0: Yeah, that's interesting too. I feel like sometimes I'm like gun ho on people and I'm just like, let's hang out and blah, blah, blah. And part of that has to do with the fact yeah. that I'm like, I never want to be alone. Thanks. But yeah, it's like, these people are normal. They don't hate you. They don't hate you. They just need to be a Yeah, human stop making just them just into them God. <laughs> step back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's, yeah. It's, Me wow. Too. I'm very enlightened in this conversation. Um, okay. So how has overall like your global perspective changed because i feel like the more we talk about like you moving to china and that ultimately turns into a conversation of china versus america and a lot of things are pretty similar you know you learn like oh yeah Mm -hmm. but culturally they're very different um so how is your just overall perspective um from my
1: previous like travels to other countries um i remember being struck by how like on the other side of the world the sky is still blue, like, we have to modify that a little bit for China, because of smog, but, like, oh, fun fact, <laughs> it's blue, fact and, in and China, like, right people. before I left, um, <laughs> the really in color was called smog blue, and I, I'm not over it, um, but it's the color of the sky in China, um, oh, yeah, um, so, um, your global even before I went to China, I, like, had already realized people are people no matter where they come from or what language they speak. It's just a matter of what cultural flavor they have. Kind of sounds weird, but. um, Right. No, but we're all ultimately
0: struggling with kind of the same stuff. I mean, if you get, I mean, we all struggle with different things, but if you get down to the nitty gritty of it, right? Like we all have core desires, core motivations that are pretty much the same and, and fears and all those things. And, we have different cultures and we have different beauty standards and all those things, but ultimately, yeah, we're all kind of the core. Yeah. Is the same. And
1: like, I think some of the differences can actually make us realize um, how little our problems are to begin with, like with um, the mm-hmm. way that China looks at weight is very interesting. Um, Cause it's very common in China to just tell people like, Oh, you're fat or to describe someone as fat. And when I first got there, I was like, are they bullying each other? Should I stop this? Like with my students, um, but like it's hard to tell what's <laughs> bullying and what is just like, oh, they're being friends right now because um, they just call each their "fatty," and I'm like, okay, right? Um, well, that's also
0: like a right. Right, I'm trying I mean, to figure I mean, out what school, like, is. but anyway, mean to their yeah friends.
1: And my and third like... day teaching, my first year, <laughs> um, this little tiny seventh grade girl like motions for me to come up to her, um, and she's like, teacher. You are so beautiful, and you are so fat. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna remember you. <laughs> um, Which yeah. is like, a, a like trying to maintain composure after that. Like, okay, this is this is fine. Um, but then, yeah, I realized like even my coworker friends, my adult friends, would say things like, "Oh, you've gained weight." "Oh, you've lost weight." And um, usually like you've lost weight was like, "Oh, are you feeling okay?" Like are you sick or something? Like, why are you losing weight? And, oh, you've gained weight it means like, oh, you're living a happy life now and you can relax. And so it's like an interesting look at things yeah. that we're often ashamed of.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, different, obviously, from America, because I mean, growing up, like, if you were told that you yeah. lost weight, it was usually a good thing. And when people said, oh, you've lost weight, I'm like, oh, thanks. But like, which also, yeah, oh, thanks tells me like, you're automatically like, okay, this is supposed to be a compliment, even if I had lost weight because I hadn't yeah. been in two weeks or I'd been sick or something. It's like you're healthier or more beautiful because you've lost weight. Yeah, regardless different... of how you got there. And gaining weight is usually yeah, like, yeah. oh, you've gained, she's gained weight. Like, you know, and I'm saying she's, but like he, guys obviously yeah. like have the same issues as well um with
1: with body yeah they have that in china I mean, too <laughs> but like
0: expectations for i don't know look. it's
1: it's different and i don't know enough about it to speak to it really um but the other difference that i've noticed that like just makes me right. really question our um ideas of things is just like the size of clothing in china um <laughs> i have a shirt from you and it's an xl but yeah it's literally
0: like a right american um i have shirts everywhere from like
1: <laughs> extra large to 6xl in china and like i have a sweater that's 6xl it is too short for my arms <laughs> and i'm like what what is literally this? made um, for a child and so it makes you like realize that those cl- those sizes are absolute nonsense and like are our sizes any less nonsense like maybe but like they don't measure you as a person really yeah they're all made up they're kind of they're made up the sooner you learn that everything is made up the the better you feel about it I guess
0: for I have been thinking about this um a little bit more being in quarantine because I feel like I am so much more affected Mm -hmm. when I am on social media more um like my my brain just wants to like think about like oh I should lose weight and all this stuff as opposed to if like when I was at JMU and I was surrounded by people who are like all different normal sizes and healthy and beautiful people and then I wasn't insecure at all in college but now that I'm like home and you know in Side and on my phone more. I'm comparing myself to these unrealistic standards that are set before our eyes, and we talk about it all the time. Um, but you're, yeah, it's it's insane how t- cultures across the world will have, you know, yeah, non-human standards for beauty. It, 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 they they're, they're, might be different, right? But they are still.
1: it was also weird like going (laughs) to a mall to buy clothes and most of the time like I was the largest size
0: but it is interesting I mean I've only been out of the country a few times but cultures are different but we all kind of have you know the same issues and the same struggles. people are people and um yeah like Mm -hmm. people are people are people regardless of where you go yeah so on that note (laughs) Um, we're hoping that this, this one, it sounds better than the Oof. first crossing our fingers.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Cool. Well, thank you for talking, um, about China and
1: you are welcome, but that was not quite well. everything.
0: <laughs> it, it wasn't, it wasn't quite, but it was almost there. It was like 80%. <laughs> uh. Anyways. Cool. Um, yeah. Have well, a good life. It was nice talking to you.
1: Bye.
0: As always, thanks for listening. I hope you learned something. Maybe it's relatable. If not, I hope you were entertained. Have a good week.